My name is Zeke, the plumber, and I've come to collect your head in my bucket. Hello, everyone, and welcome to week two of The Winter Break 2017. This is You Scared of This, and if you're just joining us now, it's the most magical time of the year because you've joined us in the two-week period between seasons where we don't watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? That's right. You've somehow managed to join us on a statistical anomaly where we watch some other random-ass show. That's right. Normally, we're a podcast that reviews every single episode of Nickelodeon's classic TV horror anthology show for kids, Are You Afraid of the Dark?, and tries to determine if it's still scary. But this week, we're doing something a bit different, and this is an episode that I think people have been demanding for a long time. (laughs) How many people would you say have been demanding this? I've heard about three or four people ask if we're going to review this. Hmm. Once we set the precedent a few years ago that we were going to review other shows sporadically, I had a lot of people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, you guys should do Zeke the Plumber. Yeah. Uh, Well, you got your wish, because this week, Eli and I are reviewing Zeke the Plumber from Salute Your Shorts. That's right. Um, We are going to be reviewing the possibly only scary episode of the two seasons of Nickelodeon's comedy summer camp series for kids. Salute Your Shorts, Zeke the Plumber. Uh, but first, Dykus, how you doing? Oh, I'm I'm fine, I suppose. The thing that I really want to know is, Dykus, how your Pokemon doing? Ooh, that is a good question. Uh, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I've started playing Pokemon Sun and Moon. I haven't made a ton of progress, truth be told, uh, but I am a couple hours into Pokemon Sun. And so far, my Pokemon are doing okay. I guess I should start from the beginning. I ended up selecting Litten as my starter. I, I opted against the, uh, the Owl... Because I feel like everyone chose the L. I opted against the seal because nobody chose the seal. I think I think I know one person who chose the seal. They suck. <laughs> but no, I'm a few hours into it, and I have to say, I, I immediately don't like the professor in this game. Yeah, Kukui is a controversial figure. This is a game that really prides itself on sort of subverting a lot of the, uh, the tropes of regular Pokemon games. And for anyone who hasn't played it, there's a professor in this game, just as there always is. Uh, but he's not an old man. He's not like a stuffy guy in a lab coat that maybe you're used to in the games. It's not your daddy's professor. The professor in this game is a douchebag beach bum. <laughs> we are introduced to this character when he invites himself into your home. When he breaks into your home without in- without an invitation. Or an introduction. Or an introduction. Just lets himself in. And I can't talk about this guy without mentioning his outfit. This guy is wearing a lab coat that is unbuttoned and open with no shirt underneath. A pair of shorts, a visor, and like flip-flops. Like what is the point of a lab coat at that at, at, at uh, once you've gone this far if you've got it unbuttoned and no shirt on underneath? Bearing his chest to the world. And on top of all that, on top of all of that, he's clearly banging your mother when you're not there. <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've discussed that possibility before. We've talked about this off mic. I think you pointed out to me, he's allegedly married. Yeah. But let's face it, he has a wife on every one of the islands and in the Alola region. His wife definitely is on another island. So that guy immediately left a bad taste in my mouth. But other than that, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. It, it feels aesthetically very different from the Pokemon games, which I enjoy. Yeah. I'm not 
wild about the new Pokemon I've encountered so far. I haven't really found any new ones that have really jumped out at me. I don't like that my Pokedex talks to me. <laughs> yeah, that thing is terrible. I don't like that it it speaks like a human. Has it turned into a camera yet? Have you gotten to play Pokemon Snap yet? Oh no, not yet. But yeah, so far, uh, enjoying it, and for the most part, enjoying it. For all the shit that I said about the uh, the professor, it's uh, I'm still liking it so far. So expect future updates on my progress through the game. Yeah. Uh, Eli, how are you? I'm doing good. I actually, uh, Friday night, I get, Friday or Saturday night, I actually uh, beat the Elite Four in Pokemon. So that was fun. I think this may be the first time in, like, 20 years that you beat a Pokemon game before I did. It's the first time since Red and Blue that I think I've beaten the Elite Four. I might have beaten the Elite Four in Gold and Silver. Wow. Yeah. Well, you feel like a big man? I do. (laughs) I'm the first champion of Alola. I feel pretty good about it. Are you going to continue playing now, or are you going to do the whole post-game and all that? Man, there's so much post-game in this. Uh, I'm going to take a break, because I knew that the, I knew that I was at the Elite Four, and I knew that you have to play your rival before you get to the Elite Four. And um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to like knock this out really quick. I played this guy who's kind of your rival, but not really, and then I thought, okay, I'll be at the Elite Four. But no, I had to go through these caves, and so I just put on a max repel so that I didn't have to fight anything there, because I was like, I just want to get to the Elite Four. And then I had to fight this other person who is a part of the plot throughout the game. Uh, and then I finally got to fight the Elite Four. And after I fought the Elite Four, I was like, finally, I'm done. And no, someone comes up and tells me I have to do one more fight before I'm the champion. So then I did that fight. And I was like, finally, I'm done. I get to watch the end credits. And there was this long like video sequence that I had to watch and all of these characters talking to me. And then someone asks me to go fight another Pokemon. And I, like, I thought I was going to be playing this game for 30 minutes to an hour, and I ended up playing it for, like, two and a half hours just to get through all of that. So, I need a break from it for a while. I'm probably going to do the post-game stuff, but I'm also probably going to start Fire Emblem first. I'm proud that you made it through all of that, all those false finishes. It was like watching the end of Castaway. Like, I kept thinking it was over. <sighs> well then, do we have any nude business to talk about before we delve into Zeke the Plumber? Any Nickelodeon nostalgia news that we need to talk about? Uh, probably as a surprise to no one, there is no Salute Your Shorts news worth discussing. We've been checking it every week for the past... No. <laughs> Nothing has happened on the Salute Your Shorts front. Um, as far as Nickelodeon news business, I actually don't... I don't have any either. We had a... We were overloaded with the Nick News last week. That's true. Well, then let's get down to brass tacks. Let's do what we came here to do. Yeah. Let's Let's talk about Salute Your Shorts. Let's talk about Zeke the Plumber. Before we even get into this specific episode, tell me your memories of Salute Your Shorts in general. Was it a show you ever really watched? And did you have a favorite character? I mean, what what about it stuck with you, if anything? I loved Salute Your Shorts as a kid. Um, Really? Oh, man. Yeah, I loved it. I worry that, like, I looked up to Bobby Butnick more than a, a person is supposed to. Like, going back and watching it, I realized he wasn't the protagonist of the show, but I think when I watched it as a kid, in my head, Butnick was the protagonist. And I think that maybe says something about me and why I'm a terrible that's person. That's something I want to talk about later on when we're reviewing the episode, but that's really interesting that you looked up to him. I, I think, like, he was funny and gross and sort of punk, and maybe that was what I wanted to identify with as a kid. And so I like they give him the best jokes. 
Uh, so I really, really liked Butnik as a character, um, and I just really enjoyed the show overall. Yeah, I watched it a bunch. I I probably didn't see every episode, but there were certain episodes that I had like I had on VHS and would watch over and over. Yeah, Butnik was definitely I think the most, for better or worse, he probably was the most relatable character, or at least the easiest one to imitate. Yeah. I don't have a lot of memories of watching Salute Your Shorts. Like, I remembered this episode that we're going to talk about, but I don't think I watched it a whole lot. I was, for some reason, I had a hard time getting into the live-action Nickelodeon shows outside of Are You Afraid of the Dark. I, I never watched, like, Hey Dude or any... For some reason, I thought that this and Hey Dude, Dude were meant to be, like, analogs. Like, they were both... I just say, I completely agree. I always associate the two together in my mind, because I guess they were the same kind of show. A bunch of teenagers... I assume one was on a dude range, and the other one was just... You know, obviously this one was set at a campground. The same kinds of stories. Yeah. And structurally, they felt the same. I think they aired them, like, one after the other. And I, for some reason, said... And I think I did this with every... Anytime there was a binary, like, choice, I always said, I am a this person and not a this person. And so I never watched Hey Dude. Um, but was very... I didn't either. But was very devoted to Salute Your Shorts. And I, looking back, I think that was probably kind of weird. I think part of the reason I maybe never got into Salute Your Shorts is because I never went to summer camp. Oh, I love I summer camp. You and I have talked about this before off mic, that I'm a, a broken human because I never <laughs> went to summer camp. Summer camp was great. This episode was as close as I ever got. So let's talk about this episode. Let's talk about Zeke the Plumber. Let's talk about Zeke the Plumber. This episode has a cold open, which I was not expecting. Uh, and it is a found footage cold open, which I definitely was not expecting. Yeah, we get a a handheld camera, black and white footage, and Michael is carrying a camera around in the woods when he stumbles upon Bobby Butnick. Bobby Butnick, played by <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark alumnus uh, Danny Cooksey. Although I guess this would have happened before he was on Are You Afraid of the Dark. This would have been before his one appearance in uh, The Tale of the Carved Stone. Also from D- Different Strokes and Montana Max from Tiny Toons. And he was, he was in lots of stuff. Yeah. So Michael stumbles upon Butnick, who is carving into a tree, into a specific, I guess, important tree for the camp or something. And he's carving the name Ugly, which I didn't realize Ugg's last name was Lee. But he's carving Ugly, what does he say, is dumb i'm carving ugly as a loser into the tree that way the kids of the future will know what a complete jaboni he is he's carving that into a tree and ugg catches him and 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 butnik tries to insist that he wasn't doing it and that there's no proof and then ugg points out that michael filmed the whole thing and plus butnik specifically said out loud i'm carving ugly as a loser into this tree (laughs) so everyone knows what a loser he is forever and then ugg pops out from behind the tree yeah so the cold open ends with, with uh, chasing after Michael, trying to get the camera from him so that he has evidence of what Butnik did. And then we get the very, very classic Salute Your Shorts theme song. Are you, you going to make that on a tuba? We run, we jump, we swim and play. Something go on Row and go on trips. But the thing that lasts forever are our dear friendships. Let's be honest, this theme song is the most famous part of this show. Oh yeah, by a long shot. In the way that everyone talks about and remembers the Are You Afraid of the Dark theme song and how iconic it was, Salute Your Shorts has the exact same thing going on. 
Absolutely, like, as iconic as the Are You Afraid of the Dark theme song for all the same reasons. Yep. <laughs> it's haunting. Something I wanted to point out really quickly. I think this theme song was also the first time I ever heard the word fart on television. Uh, I don't know if this is true, but I found several sources that were, that claimed that this theme song is the only theme song in TV history to have the word fart in it. I believe it. I can't imagine what other theme song might have the word. Yeah, like, I... I you know, kind of dug through my old memory banks and couldn't find anything. So yeah, we go through the theme song that introduces us to all the characters, and we dive right into the episode proper. The episode begins in a manner very, very similar to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yep. Appropriately enough, with all the kids sitting in a circle telling ghost stories. It actually looks more like they're holding a seance, because it's the dead of night and they have like a hundred candles lit in one of the cabins. Yep, we see, is it, who is it? Is it Donkey Lips? Who who slips a spider onto Butnik's leg? I didn't notice who it was. But yeah, we established at the very, like, at the very beginning of the episode that Butnik is afraid of spiders. Someone places a spider on his knee and he freaks the fuck out. Everyone laughs at him, and he does his whole tough guy routine before pulling out the story of Zeke the Plumber. Yeah, it's his turn to tell a story, and he tells a story of a figure from Camp Onawana uh, legend, Zeke the Plumber, the former custodian. Should we have Butnik tell this tale in his own words? Yeah, let's have Butnik tell it. A long time ago, there was a guy named Zeke. He used to clean out the toilets here at camp. Already it's a horror story. <laughs> but the smell didn't bother him, because see, Zeke didn't have a nose. Why not? When he was in the army, he got his nose bit off by a parrot in the Philippines. One day, Zeke's outside digging a hole, and he hits a pipe, a gas pipe, because he can't smell the leaking gas. He makes a big mistake and lights a match. (laughs) Boom! Zeke was a human party popper. All they ever found was this. A toilet plunger? They say old Zeke the plumber's ghost still walks around Camp Bonawana looking for his plunger. Anyone who touches it will be haunted in their dreams. Now, okay, I have to talk about this really quickly. The reason he blew himself up is because he hit a gas line and he couldn't smell the gas because he didn't have a nose. Correct. Wouldn't that gas have not had a smell anyway? Isn't that the whole can- uh... canary in a in a coal mine or whatever? In, not a coal mine. But, like, they they would send canaries into mines because you can't smell the gas. Like, he wouldn't have been able to smell the gas even without his nose. But whatever. Uh, yeah, so he accidentally hit a gas line and blew himself Unless up. Unless he hit, like, gasoline and then lit a match and blew himself up. Yeah, yeah. There could have been a gas station right next to camp or something. But anyway, now there is this haunted plumber uh, with a cursed plunger at the camp. But it finishes this story and says that all they found of Zeke was his cursed plunger which he produces and tries to pass around. Michael and Telly end up touching it, and because they made contact with it, Butnik claims that they're going to be haunted by the ghost of Zeke the Plumber in their dreams. Yep. Everyone blows this off and says that it's stupid. Butnik says that they're all a bunch of babies, and that they're scaredy cats, and that he's not scared of nothing. I like that one of them, this is obviously going to be a riff on, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, and one of them openly says, What is he, the janitor version of Freddy Krueger? Yeah, yeah. Nice little acknowledgement there. And this scene ends with Butnik cackling maniacally to himself. He has a great evil laugh. Sweet dreams. (laughs) 
I feel like the scene is re- the the cackling is really awkward, but he does a great job of it. Like they just hold on it for too long, and there's no like swelling music or zoom or anything. But his work there, yeah, he has a fantastic evil laugh. So this story manages to rattle all of the other campgoers. They go back to their cabins. We cut to the girls' cabin where they're preparing for the the possible appearance of Zeke the plumber. And we get one of the corniest jokes in television history. The one about four out of five doctors or dentists? Yes. Well, I read that there's something in toothpaste that keeps ghosts away. How? Well, I'm not sure, but it's something four out of five doctors recommend. Which doctors? Exactly. Which doctors from the island of Lumbago? Oh. <laughs> I liked that joke. Oh, I, I kept a counter of the number of times I just groaned with pain at the jokes in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, the girls are doing all of these weird folk remedies to try to ward off the ghost. Over in the boys' cabin, things are playing out a bit differently. Yeah. Michael has gone to sleep uh, with no folk remedy, apparently. And sure enough, he is being accosted by Zeke the plumber. Yeah, inside his dream, he is awoken by a sound of plunging. <laughs> Which I liked. <laughs> I I really enjoy the, the gags in this scene. Yeah, within his dream, Michael looks up from his bed and sees a stranger across the room plunging a toilet. A pretty scary figure. He's wearing a rubber mask and overalls. He actually does look scary. It is, of course, Zeke the Plumber. And yeah, he looks really scary. He looks... Let's talk for a minute. This is Zeke's first appearance in the episode. Yeah. Is he scary because this is not a scary show? <laughs> A, yes, but B, that is not the only reason he's scary. Zeke the plumber, uh, like you said, is lit by moonlight, and he's got sort of a Michael Myers thing about him. Like, he's this tall, sort of, like, kind of bulky-looking, nondescript figure in a rubber mask, and it's a loose-fitting rubber mask that covers his whole head. It is very Mike Myers in that sense. There are eye holes, but because the mask is so loose, it doesn't press up against his face, so you can't really see eyes. So it's just like this loose skin with eye sockets, and that is, I would say, actually scary. Not just the mask, but the fact that he has the mask with the bloody bandage over his nose. Which is very strange. Like, the fact that he would wear a mask over his deformed face and still have a bandage on his nose. Yeah, it's such an unorthodox look. Yeah, and his his head is his face is kind of obscured. I mean, I say his face. The the face of the mask is obscured because it has this really sort of mottled wig and this bucket hat on top. It's just so strange that in the right circumstances it becomes scary. And these are those circumstances. Uh he's plunging a toilet in the moonlight and then he moves very slowly and kind of zombie-like when he acknowledges Michael. But I actually do want to point out the joke here that is really great. Michael looks up from his bed and sees this guy plunging a toilet in the middle of the room where there's, like, obviously not a toilet in real life. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> like, the, a toilet has just appeared out of nowhere, and Zeke is just plunging it for no reason. And Michael says, are you Zeke the plumber? And Zeke looks up at him and says, smart kid. Zeke approaches Michael and says that he can, he can see into Michael's mind, into all the things that he tries to hide away from the world. Yeah. And he reaches into the toilet he's been plunging and pulls out Harry the Hippo. Harry the Hippo is a stuffed hippo that Michael keeps with him as like a comfort item. And apparently he's embarrassed. Oh, by I it. wish he, I wish Harry was a real hippo. I wish he'd reached into the toilet and pulled out an entire hippo. <laughs> yeah, like this is a dream. Why couldn't it be an actual hippo? <laughs> but 
Uh, Harry is something that Michael is embarrassed by, so he's buried it deep inside of his mind, and Zeke has plunged it out and is threatening Michael with it. Michael freaks out, understandably. Well, actually, Michael Michael remains pretty composed throughout most of this exchange. Yeah, until Zeke threatens to pull... All things considered. He, until Zeke threatens to pull all of his other, like, personal memories out and plunges Michael's face. Let's see what else you have inside your head. No! No! The plunger kind of envelops yeah. the camera in, like, this slow-motion dramatic moment. And then Michael wakes up screaming... Uh, he goes over to his closet and immediately throws Harry the hippo in the trash can. Which, like, he's not even sleeping with this hippo. The next day at the rec hall, Bundy comes up to Michael and is, of course, giving him shit, saying that he heard Michael calling out in his sleep about Zeke the plumber and Harry the hippo. Yeah, he makes fun of Michael, and something interesting about Michael in a, in several scenes in this episode is how much he stands up to Butnick. Yeah, he doesn't <clears throat> back down, and he immediately just calls Butnick a jerk. Yeah, Butnick is giving him a hard time, and then, just to show that he's in charge, Butnick farts on him. And another moment that made me just groan. <laughs> you bought, he says, you bought my ghost story, hook, line, and stinker. I just cut one, and then walks away. Fanning, fanning his butt. <laughs> I wonder how many, how many kids, specifically how many bullies, modeled themselves after Butnick. Because that's the kind of thing I remember kids doing in, like, third grade <laughs> he really is the perfect bully it's it's the role that uh this actor was born to play danny cooksey was born to be Puttnick. that was something that i was thinking that we'll talk about more later the girls as he walks off the girls are sitting at a breakfast table and telly can't stay awake uh she stayed up all night scared about zeke the plumber and she starts to fall asleep at the table and as she does butnick leans over and starts saying zeke the plumber zeke the plumber in her ear trying to make sure that she'll have a dream about him. Sure enough, the camera sort of zooms in on her, and when it zooms back out, Butnick has been replaced by Zeke the plumber standing over her. Zeke introduces himself to Telly and says that he's the magical custodian that grants wishes. Which is a different approach. I like that he switched it up. Yeah. Uh, Telly tells Zeke that what she really wanted to do was play professional ball. It's in line with her character. She's the athlete of the bunch. But Zeke says... Well, of course, your wish is my command, and then whisks her away into an enormous ballroom. He whisks her away by putting the plunger, like, on her face, and when he removes it, she's in the ballroom. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, in any other Nickelodeon, like, you could put that exact same joke in Rocco, where you have a genie who is also a plumber, and that's how he grants your wishes, and it would have worked. That is very true. At this ball, uh, Telly is wearing, like, a fancy dress, and she hates it. She's like, no, this is for sissy little girls. Uh, but Zeke tells her, No! Yes, I'm afraid you've trapped it for quite a long while. For the rest of your life. So relax. Enjoy the music. And let's dance! <laughs> and then starts dancing with his plunger. <laughs> yeah, he starts, like, he starts doing ballroom dancing around the room, laughing at her. And she's saying, I gotta get out of this ball. I gotta get out of this ball. I gotta get out of this ball. And then we cut to our commercial break. Pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza at supper time. When pizza's on a bagel, you can eat pizza anytime. Pizza bagel bites. Bite sized pizzas on wholesome little bagels. Pizza during prime time. Anytime's a right time. Pizza going down a so fine. So fine, so fine. On a bagel, 
bites and hot bites. We come back from commercial. <laughs> Telly and Michael are talking to one another, talking about how they both had dreams about Zeke the plumber and how they think that uh, Butnik is such a jerk. Yeah, they decide that they've got to find a way to get even with Butnik. Michael uses a word here that I'm not sure is PC. He says that Butnik thinks that he's a priss. Yeah. I'm not sure if I like that word. There... I don't know if that's acceptable or not, but it, it rubbed me the wrong way. There were kind of some, like, dated concepts happening in this episode between Telly, like, shaming girls for wanting to wear dresses and Michael being insecure about his masculinity. It was... I, I raised my eyebrows a couple of times. This is not a, a matter of political correctness. I also kind of take issue with these two characters trying to get back at Butnik, because Butnik really hasn't done anything. He told a scary ghost story and they had bad dreams. But, like, is that his fault? That his story was really effective at ghost story night? It's. I don't think it's so much his fault that his ghost story was scary. I think the way that he handled everything around that is what they're mad about. Like, he was a real dick afterwards. I don't know. I... I I didn't sympathize with Butnik, but we'll talk about it later. So the, the characters decide they need to get back at Butnik for scaring them in their dreams. And so they approach him with a deal. Hold on. We gotta, we, we gotta talk about something that happens right before this deal. They are, okay. they are sitting in one of the cabins, sort of trying to, like, figure out what they're going to do. And what's the nerd's name? Sponge? Yeah. Sponge is trying to tell them, like, psychologically why they are suffering from this Zeke the Plumber thing. And ultimately, they come down to blaming it on Butnik. Butnik created such a strong image in your minds that you both have the same guy in your dreams. You can blame Butnik for all your trembles. But to make Sponge look like he's researching this, or just to make him look particularly nerdy, he's sitting cross-legged on his bed on a on an enormous laptop computer. How did he get that thing into the camp? Like, what is he even doing on that enormous computer? What's he, is he like, does he have the encyclopedia on it? It's not plugged into anything, but it has, I guess, an enormous, like, a huge battery? I don't know. It's just the goofiest prop. They're like, oh, we've got to make Sponge look really nerdy. Like, put him on a laptop in 1992. He's, he's got the whole 1992 Encyclopedia Britannica installed on it. Yeah. Where he brought the discs with him. I was going to say, he, he's, he's in, like... The floppies. He's got the Z floppy disc, and he's reading about Zeke. Uh, yeah, they, they use this to hand wave away why Telly and Michael had a dream about the exact same Zeke the Plumber. Which was totally unnecessary. Like, they could have just been scared. Yeah. Uh, Butnik comes in, and that's when the main plot of the episode kind of unfolds. Um, Telly and Michael challenge Butnik, saying, well, if you're so brave, why don't you prove it? They tell him that he has to stay out in the woods in the exact spot where Zeke the Plumber died, and he has to stay there all night. Yeah, the deal is that if if he succeeds at this task, then Michael will walk around with Harry the Hippo all day and Telly will wear a dress all day. But if Budnick loses, then he has to go in front of the camp and tell everyone how much of a wuss he is. Yeah, he laughs about this and insists that he is going to win, and that's when the kids sort of set this big, goofy plan into motion. Yeah, Sponge locates the exact spot where Zeke exploded himself, and... Budnick basically sets up camp there with a chair and a bunch of provisions that Donkey Lips has brought him. An enormous, like, cooler full of soda and potato chips. He gives Donkey Lips some, some shit about this that he didn't get exactly what he wanted, so now Donkey Lips is pissed at him. Chips. I asked for ruffled potato chips. Hey, what's the difference? One has ruffles and the other one doesn't, you moron. But the kids leave Butnick to his, his night with Zeke in the woods. And they do some, like, Kevin McAllister-style planning in one of the bunks. 
they've got a huge map drawn out and they're like laying out what they're going to do and who's going to come from where and what they're all going to be doing to scare Butnik. I'm glad you made the Home Alone comparisons because <laughs> they're, they're very evident in this episode. Yeah, this this episode has a lot of like Home Alone nods. Uh, while they're planning, Ugg even shows up and insists that he is also going to get even with Budnick for what happened with the tree. In parallel with this, we get another Home Alone-esque sequence yep. where Budnick is setting traps in the woods using these sort of ordinary camping supplies that Donkey Lips brought him. Yeah. The cooler, the sodas, etc. I really enjoyed his his usage of these things. Like, his ingenuity in this moment is really funny. He takes the potato chips and covers the ground with them so that he can hear people sneaking up on him. And then he takes the soda cans and ties them to a tripwire so that when someone steps on them, they spray soda on people. And he uses the... He fills his cooler full of giant stones and uses it as a weight for, like... One of those traps where you tie a rope into, like, a, a loop on the ground, and when someone steps in it, it grabs them by the foot and hangs them upside down. It makes you wonder, was Budnick in Vietnam? <laughs> Is that where he learned all of these traps? Like, he, throw the, he throws it's these It's a very Rambo. Really I say, I compared it Home Alone, it's also very Rambo-esque. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the reason why Butnik is the best character on this show, for sure. So that night, the kids decide they're going to spring their trap, and they come out looking for Budnick, and they're wearing scary masks and costumes, and they immediately fall right into his traps. It's kind of disappointing. Like, you see this moment where they're all planning, and they have this map, and literally their plan is, in sequence, first the girls will run out screaming, and then the guys will run out screaming, and then Donkey Lips will stumble up wearing a jack-o'-lantern mask, and that's the entirety of their plan. Uh, and it all falls to shit, because it's a shitty, terrible plan. What happens to the girls? The girls find a decoy buttonick and knock its head off. And they start screaming. Yeah, he scares them because when they run up, he's made a, a he's stuffed a dummy of of himself, and uh, and the head falls off of it, and they think they killed him. So the girls freak out and run off. By the way, that was groan worthy joke number three. Oh yeah. I always knew it was a melon head. This just proves it. Oh, <laughs> oh, that joke wounded me. <laughs> uh, so the girls get scared and run off, and then the boys run up and fall on the tripwire and get sprayed with soda. Yeah, and Donkey Lips is wearing a, a jack lantern mask, just lost in the woods, bumping into a tree, so he's totally ineffective. But it comes out of the woods declaring victory, like really, really hamming it up and being obnoxious. Yeah, he uh, harasses everyone and makes fun of them, and he's, ta he's talking about how Michael's going to have to carry Harry the Hippo around, how uh, Telly's going to have to wear a dress, and then he hears something in the woods, and he's like, oh, you got someone else for me? I'll go see what it is, just to prove how brave he is. Uh, and who does he run into in the woods all alone but Zeke the Plumber? Holy shit, it's Zeke the Plumber! He's real! Ah! And so, of course, Budnick runs away, and Zeke's coming after him. He chases him and chases him, and eventually corners Budnick up against a tree. <laughs> I can smell your fear! Yeah, he, sa he says that he he knows everything in Butnick's mind, and Butnick says, Well, then surely you know I led you into a trap. And that's when Budnick springs the trap we saw him lay earlier uh, with the giant cooler and a rope and traps Zeke by his leg, hanging him upside down in a tree. Yeah, Butnick laughs at him and says, I knew you weren't a ghost. You said you could smell my fear, but Zeke the Plumber doesn't have a nose. He goes over and unmasks Zeke the Plumber to reveal... It's Ugg. Ugg. <laughs> Ugg is hanging upside down in this tree and uh, he is furious. I think Butnick realizes that maybe he's gone too far because at this point he's like, I'm going to have to find a knife to get you down. He seems like 
almost apologetic for catching Ugg. But no, he ends up just leaving him there. <laughs> but it goes to find a knife and ends up walking through an enormous spider web and freaks right the fuck out. Yeah, he runs into this spider web, gets covered in it, and I guess there he gets spiders on him because he just has a fit. He, like, falls down on the ground and begs for someone to come help him. And we see all the other kids sitting, like, just a slight ways away in the woods listening to him screaming. And he's like, please, I'll give you my stereo. Please, I'll be your slave. Please, I'll do anything. And that's when the kids decide to come up and rescue him. And they pull the spider webs off of him, and he's okay. Buttonig is wandering in the woods, lost, covered in spiders. He's like, my friends will help me. Wait, I don't have any friends. And then when all the other campgoers come and rescue him, he asks them, like, did you guys help me because you're my friends? <laughs> and they flat out tell him, no. Maybe it's because we wanted to hear you suffer. <laughs> Which Jesus is... Jesus Christ, who's the real bully here? Listen, this is totally justified. He has not done a single nice thing to anyone in the entire episode. He's an asshole the entire time. I feel like they got upset because they made this bet... Budnick outsmarted them and it, and would have won if they hadn't interfered and tried to rig their own game. And then they torture him and coerce him into being their slave. I don't know. This Again, this just rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I guess... But that appears to be the end of the story with Butnik uh, carrying all of their stuff back to camp, having been humiliated. But no, there's one more scene. We dissolve into the next morning... Ugg is still upside down in the trap. He should be dead. Yeah, blood must be rushing to his head. And it's at this point that we actually get the scariest moment of the whole episode where Ugg wakes up. The first thing he sees is the carving in the tree from the cold open that just says Ugly is a loser. I like that it was the same tree. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that they did bring it full circle like that. Uh, but Ugg looks at this and just says through gritted teeth, I want to kill him. I want to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I want Budnick. <laughs> this twisted claw's got to give me what I always wanted. Budnick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's... Crossover! <laughs> but then he sees Donkey Lips stumble out of the woods wearing his crappy Jack Lantern mask. And Ugg screams. <laughs> and the episode ends and we get rockin' awesome campfire song. <laughs> Rockin' awesome camp music. And that is the tale of Zeke the Plumber. <laughs> yeah, we finally did it. Uh, Eli, give me your general thoughts on this episode. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. We talked before about how maybe when you start watching one of these shows again for the first time, like the first time we watched Goosebumps, or the first time that we watched Are You Afraid of the Dark even, or Rugrats, and now this, uh, you know... I think you're kind of seeing things through rose-tinted glasses when you're looking back on these shows. And when you actually do watch them again, you realize they're not perfect. Uh, the puns were terrible in this. Some of the acting was bad. The plot was a little all over the place. But overall, like, I enjoy these characters so much, and I enjoy this setting, and it was never boring. So I actually enjoyed this quite a bit. I have really complicated feelings about this. Overall, this was, this was a, a fun episode to watch, but like... I can't help but feel a little bit let down. Yeah, I can see that. It, I think it's just because I had such high expectations for Zeke himself. And as it turns yeah. out, Zeke the Plumber doesn't really factor very much into this episode outside of the two dream sequences and the the fake out at the end where it's revealed to be Ugg. 
I think that's what disappointed me the most is I was really hoping for that twist ending where like Zeke turns out to be real and he scares everyone, which would have been kind of hokey and cliche, but like it would have been something. It. it would have given the episode something because what we're left with is just an episode where we have a few fun dream sequences and then a bunch of kids trying to dick each other over. You know, I guess the first time we could have watched this episode would have been in like 1992 and the show aired in syndication off and on until like 1998. So we were pretty young when we would have first seen Zeke the Plumber, and it would have been easy to kind of magnify him in your memories and think that he was incredibly scary and he was, you know, sort of the terror of this episode. You go back and watch it, and that's not the case at all. Like you said, he shows up a couple of times, three times, I guess, at most. And in the end, we it's revealed to us that he was just a bad dream all along. So they never really go as far with Zeke, maybe as we remembered them doing, or as they could have done. I think they had a great opportunity to make a, an atmospheric, scary episode of the show that still had some good jokes in it. There are plenty of shows I watched as kids that would do that exact thing, where you had a funny show and they would introduce one scary episode. It was still funny, but it was also a little scary. Uh, and they just don't take that very far. The only moment that Zeke is scary is his very first introductory moment when he's plunging the toilet in Michael's dream. Every other time you see him, they kind of neuter him. Outside of the Zeke stuff, this is this was very much of its time. This is very much an early Nickelodeon show that they were just making on the cheap. Uh, but it, yeah. yeah, it was it was fine. It wasn't what I was expecting, but it, I've, it's not the worst thing we've watched on this podcast. <laughs> no, that's definitely true. And honestly, like you know, like I said, I've watched I watched so much Salute Your Shorts as a kid that. I could go back and watch more of it. I, if I can find some some quality streams of this, I will definitely go back and watch a few episodes here and there when I get a chance. Now, as Good, good luck finding that show, because something that I meant to say was part of the reason I think one thing that definitely uh, tainted my impression of this episode was the the rip of the episode that we watched, which was on Daily Motion, and was about the lowest quality of video I think I've ever seen on the internet. <laughs> It looks like someone found the episode as a VHS and then ripped it to their, like, Motorola Razor phone. Yeah, it's in, like, 140p. <laughs> I don't think you're very far off, actually. I, I I've think seen like, NES games with, like, less blocky graphics than this. If I can find a better quality version of this episode, I'll definitely go back and watch that, too. So, Eli, let's talk for a minute about Zeke. Yeah. Because... When I was doing research for this episode, when I was trying to find, you know, our header image, all that kind of stuff, I made a surprising discovery, and that is that people fucking love Zeke the Plumber, even today. Like, uh, if you Google image search Zeke, there's fan art. There is a ton of fan art. There is fan art. There are fan movie posters, fan costumes. Uh, someone made an action figure of Zeke, like an unlicensed three-inch action figure, and yeah. maybe the most shocking one of all, someone out there, some depraved soul, got a Zeke the Plumber tattoo <laughs> It says, I don't make deals with cockroaches. I don't make deals with roaches. Yeah, uh, for some reason, Zeke is, I guess to some people, like this iconic figure from 90s pop culture. I would say maybe more iconic than even any of the, the monsters and ghosts and supernatural creatures on Are You Afraid of the Dark? With the possible yeah, exception of, like, Zebo the Clown, I think Zeke might be more famous than any of them. He's definitely, like, as famous as Dr. Vink and Sardo. Yeah. Why do you think that is? 
Well, I was about to ask you the exact same question. Why is it that Zeke has endured so much? I think something that might help with this is, and this is not speaking to like the cultural relevance of the character. It's it's more like a, a, a practical solution. But the show ran from like what 1992 to 1998, and there were only two seasons. You're right. That is that is an interesting point. It was on TV for a long time, but it was only like the same 30 episodes. Yeah, and, you know, for a show that was really, really, really popular, this was definitely a standout episode in how much it kind of deviated from the the standard tone. And we talked about the fact that, like, it doesn't actually deviate as much as maybe people remember it deviating, but it has tonal elements that are way out of place with most of what you see on Salute Your Shorts. I I just, I've been racking my... You're right, like, it, it. part of what makes it so memorable is because it's such a weird departure for the show, or it seems to be at a glance. But, like, I, I've been racking my brain trying to think if there's something about the design of Zeke himself, or, you know, his presentation, what it is that, like, if there's some secret ingredient there that has just, like, that people have latched onto. Yeah, well, I, I definitely don't think it hurts that he has a very, very distinct appearance. You know, we talked about the fact that it's like a bad wig on top of a bad mask with a bandage over the nose. And I hadn't even noticed until I was looking at the, the Google images, his mask has a big, nasty mustache on it. Yeah, I, I wonder what the mask was originally of or for. When I was a kid, my grandfather would occasionally, like, at Halloween, he would buy old like crappy Halloween masks, like just rubber masks with long wigs and stuff that weren't from any licensed property. And then he would just put them on to scare the shit out of us. And, uh, and no, I should clarify. He was Go crazy. On. What? That's insane. <laughs> well, he wouldn't like hide from us. He would literally be like, you want me to show you my mask that I bought? And he would leave the room and we would be like four years old going, no, please, God, don't show us your mask, whatever you do. And then he would slowly walk back in wearing the mask and we would just flip the fuck out. (laughs) Like, we knew it was our grandfather in a mask, but he would just slowly walk back in wearing it. We'd be like, no! (laughs) (laughs) See, I was imagining you guys going over to your your grandparents' house and he just greets you opening the door wearing this terrifying, like, modified mask. No, we were way bigger babies than that. Like, he would literally just walk out of the room and come back in wearing the same mask, and we would just lose our minds. But, like, it was these generic masks. They were rubber masks that weren't of any licensed character. And I wonder if the Zeke mask was originally of someone in particular, because it really is just a nondescript-looking rubber mask with a fake mustache and bad wig. And I think maybe that's that's part of what makes it memorable, is it doesn't look like anything else. It's not just a bad mask. It's a loose-fitting bad mask where you can't see the person's eyes. And then there's a freaking bloody bandage over the nose. Like, that doesn't make any sense, and there's nothing else like it. You know, I talked about how it was sort of a a Mike Myers-type character, but, like, really dialed down. But the bloody bandage over the nose... Dials it back up. Well, it just... It separates it, you know? It makes it such a different thing from anything else. And I have to wonder if that's not a part of of what makes the character so memorable is, yeah, he was from a show that was very popular that didn't have many episodes, so people probably saw it a lot, but he was also visually really iconic. The fact that you can't see any of his flesh is weird. 
But yeah, if you're a fan of Zeke, I mean, there's plenty of stuff out there on the internet for you. I looked at BuzzFeed's 15 Facts You Need to Know About Zeke. Which is basically just like a plot summary of the episode and a mention of his Facebook page. Yeah, it concludes with uh, with uh, the final post is that people are still a fan of Zeke and it shows his face, his Facebook page with like 3,000 likes. His, he says he's a public figure and his biography is my nose was bitten off by a parrot in the Philippines. It also points out that Zeke is not Dennis Farina, a.k.a. Nick Miller's dad on New Girl. Dennis yeah. would very much appreciate it if you stopped asking him this. It shows a picture of Dennis Farina where he looks like a handsome Zeke the Plumber. <laughs> With a nose. With a nose. Presumably what Zeke looked like before the accident. Why hasn't anyone made a fan film that's just like the backstory, just like a prequel of Zeke getting his nose bit off and blowing up and shit like that? Full confession, I haven't watched any of them, but there are a lot of Zeke fan like tribute videos out there where it's people who've dressed up as Zeke and are oh, going I, around I, like terrorizing people with a plunger. Yeah, I guess I did not put enough research into this to know that there were actual Zeke the Plumber videos. It's just baffling. Like, I never would have guessed. I knew people liked him because obviously they voted for the episode in our poll, but, like, I had no idea Zeke was still, like, this cultural icon. Bearing all of that in mind, we need to ask the question. Dykus, are you scared of this? (sighs) I really, really wanted to be. <laughs> I was not as scared as I hoped I would be. Zeke, yeah. for all the reasons we've we've discussed at length, this episode ends up not being very scary. It's true. There's a moment when Zeke is first revealed in in Michael's dream where he's plunging the inex- the inexplicable toilet in the room and you turn and see him in the moonlight. In that one moment, he's kind of scary. But then it's all downhill from there. It is. Uh, I wasn't scared of this either. The sad thing about that moment is, in that moment, it could go uphill. He looks scary enough, but if he had just, like, killed Michael in his dream, the episode would have been terrifying. The visuals are terrifying. But yeah, they turned him into a joke, and that's okay. Uh, You know, this was still probably scarier than some episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark that we've seen. Yeah. (laughs) Sad but true. Still Uh, scarier than Hungry Hounds. Still scarier than Hungry Hounds. Uh, And speaking of Are You Afraid of the Dark, we will be ending our winter break now, and next week we'll be back with our our main squeeze. We'll be watching the first episode of Season 4, The Tale of Cutter's Treasure. That's right! It's going to be our first two-part episode. We'll be reviewing the first part. And I'm really excited to get back to Are You Afraid of the Dark. This this two-parter is going to have... This, we're we're going to be overwhelmed with the bevy of surprises. Yeah, yeah, it's a great way to kick off a season. Until then, we want to thank you for joining us during our winter break. We hope you guys enjoyed it. You can find us online at facebook.com slash this, twitter.com slash this, and you can listen to all of our episodes at soundcloud.com slash this. And as always, please leave a rating and or review on iTunes to help us out. Spread the word. We'd appreciate it. Yep. Uh, Until Cutter's Treasure, get it right or pay the price. He's kind of the stoop kid of Salute Your Shorts. That's a that's a good comparison. Even single, made all made even episodes. better because Stoop Kid was played by what's his name? Danny Cooksey, that's right. Yeah. Single episode characters who 
terrorize the protagonists and wear plaid. <laughs> there we go. We we cracked the code. Good job, Eli. <laughs> if you want to make a memorable character for your show, just create an asshole who terrorizes kids and wears plaid and only shows up once. 